is up, guys? Good morning. This is Tyler Babin, and welcome to episode five of Tuesday Morning Coffee. I'm stoked to have you guys here and super pumped for the guest I have on the show today. Matt Como is a filmmaker and director based out of Los Angeles, California. Matt and I have crossed paths a number of times over the last couple of years, but we've never had a real opportunity to sit down and jam for a while, so it was awesome to finally have this conversation come together. On this episode, we chatted about how Matt got his start in creating videos, getting his first job at GoPro, and then ultimately leaving that job to follow bigger dreams. Now he's working with clients like Michael Kors and Google. He's traveled all over the world with artists like the Chainsmokers and Zed, and I'm super pumped we got to sit down and dig into his process around how he's built the life he has. I hope you guys dig this episode. I think there's a lot of great knowledge and insight Matt passes along, so let's dive straight into it. This is Tuesday Morning Coffee with Matt Como. Just to, I guess, dive in for the people who aren't familiar with who you are and the work you do, can I get like the, I guess, the elevator pitch of sorts, how you sort of ended up where you are now, what you do, all that stuff? Yeah, so I would say like probably the main thing, uh, it's it's tough because I have such an interesting career trajectory and I've done a couple different things in a couple different spaces, but uh, people probably know me most for uh, the work I did at GoPro for almost three years um, and kind of oversaw a lot of the social uh, strategy from 2015 to 2018. Uh, so you might know me from that. Uh, you might know me from the music video space. I've done um, and shot you know, multiple Chainsmoker music videos, toured with Tiesto, um, Justin Caruso, Gray, Zed. So if you're into music, you might know me from that. Uh, if you're on YouTube or social media, you might know me from some of the travel adventures and videos uh, on my channel. Uh, so yeah, it just kind of depends on what uh, what you're into, where you might know me from. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love that. And I think that gives us a lot that we can sort of like dissect and kind of break down how you got into this sort of crazy lifestyle that you're living now. Um, how did you sort of originally get into video and and I don't even want to pigeonhole you as like a video creator because there's so much more going on. But I think maybe that was kind of like the first step. How did that sort of that whole process get going? Yeah, definitely. So that uh, I've been doing making videos for a, a while now. Um, I think I started when I was around 13 or 14 uh, in high school. And that kind of all stemmed from I used to play baseball uh, my early adulthood, most of my uh, early adulthood life. Didn't make the high school baseball team. Um, you know, you're heartbroken at the time being, you know, 12 years old and, you know, oh, I didn't make the team. Anyways, in hindsight, it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. But uh, ended up uh, doing track and field or playing track and field. Uh, got injured um, my sophomore year. And that's kind of was the catalyst that uh, inspired me to pick up a camera. And, you know, I wanted to be a part and stay a part of the team. So I just uh, would film practices, put together like a little highlight reel when I was like 13 or 14. And then uh, the rest, I guess, is history. And we're still writing the history. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I love it. And so start making videos. Then I think you and I took a little bit of a different route. You actually went and studied film, right? I did, correct. So I went to uh, the school called Chapman University. Uh, they're in Orange County, kind of near um, Disneyland. And I went to study, I studied film production. And then within that program, you have different emphasis. Um, so you can either be a director, an editor, a cinematographer, or screenwriter. 
Uh, in my case, I studied cinematography, did that for four years. And uh, yeah, it was good. It's a, it's a good school. I think right now they're number, I want to say six in the country for film. Um, and each uh, year, the um, class or the amount of students they take in is, is pretty limited. I think my graduating class maybe had 12 cinematographers. So it has like an acceptance rate of like something just ridiculous, like 2% or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so what I want to like sink in on that for a second, because I get tons of, and I'm sure you do too. Like there's a million kids that DM me every day asking if they should go to art school or film school or something like that. Mm-hmm. What sort of impact do you think Chapman had on your career up to this point? Like, did, was there a lot of value pulled from it or do you think you sort of would have made it anyways? It, de- it really depends. And it depends on what context you put it through. Um, for me personally, it absolutely changed my life for the better. Um, just because I needed that period of time between like 18, 20, 21 years old to really kind of come into my own and grow. Um, so from a personal perspective, it paid dividends for me. Uh, from a career and artistic perspective, I don't think necessarily going to film school is a necessity for somebody. Um, you know, I, I totally understand that uh, it's not a realistic option for a lot of people. And a lot of what you can learn about the art of film or storytelling, you can find there's plenty of free resources on YouTube um, all throughout the internet. But what I did learn from film school that you can't find on the internet is, you know, how to carry yourself on a set, how to lead a team, kind of the in and outs of more of the traditional side of filmmaking and kind of what, um, you know, my career is at now, um, you know, with everything I'm doing based in Los Angeles and Hollywood and XYZ. Um, and those, those skill sets are kind of really only things that you can learn through experience and maybe being in a structured environment like Chapman. Got it. Got it. And so leaving Chapman, your first job was at GoPro. What did that kind of, how did that even come to be? Like, that seems like, and I'm sure a lot of people would agree, maybe like a jumping off dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, was it just sort of like a raw application that you submitted or was there sort of like a weird backdoor you took? Kind of. So uh, my whole life, there's been, <laughs> it's just weird backdoors. Um, not to like go back to the Chapman thing, but I actually didn't even get into film school right away. Uh, I actually got rejected from there and pretty much had to beg my way in there. Um, and GoPro was like a very similar situation where I applied for an internship my junior year, didn't get the internship. And then I applied for a job on their, like they had like a ski and snowboard um, division on their media team. Didn't get that job either. <laughs> and then, you know, there's certain things that are within your control and certain things are with are without your control. And, uh, you know, the universe just put my resume in front of her name was Leanne and she's still a really good friend of mine to this day. Uh, she was the director of social at the time and she read my resume and wanted to get on the phone with me and, uh, had an interview with her and she took a bet on me and, uh, I started working there two weeks after I graduated. I love that. And I think, you know, there's something to be said for dealing with rejection, like, especially in this industry. And I'm sure you get it all the time of like, no matter what level you get, people are still saying no to you like 24 seven and just pushing through every single time someone says, no, you're just like, fuck that. I'm going to go my own route and figure it out anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, So I love that. 
And yeah. then what was the what was the GoPro experience like? You were there for you said like three years. Uh, it's like two years and eight months if we're really trying to be specific, but I just round up to, to round up to three. It's easier to say. Um, uh, it was interesting, man. Like the first, I would say year, um, you know, it definitely wasn't the most glamorous. I was doing a lot of more administrative, uh, type work. So a lot of email, a lot of organization of schedules, um, you know, helping out the team as much as possible. You know, I, the social team at that time, I think we were around 12 of us. Um, and you know, that handled the global accounts, all the international accounts. Um, so it took a lot for that whole system to work. Um, but I would say after the course of about a year hitting like the year and a half mark, I started to travel a ton, um, started to get a lot more responsibility um, was trusted on the team to make creative decisions. And I think that's kind of really when the whole things really started to flourish for me. That seems like a lot of growth to happen in a year and a half. Mm -hmm. you, what do you think you were sort of doing uh, to really set yourself apart in like a more, I don't want to say corporate, because obviously like they were still, I'm sure in a lot of ways, sort of a little bit more laid back, but mm -hmm. with so many people in such a big company, how were you making yourself stand out as an entry level person? Well, I think, uh, I think there's two sides of that, um, you know, there's the obvious artistic side. Uh, so, you know, if you're, you know, if you do good work, um, and you do it consistently, that's one thing that'll really stand out. Luckily, you know, people like you and I, we work in a visual medium. So if you create something that's really spectacular, it's easy for people to understand, uh, the breadth of your skill or talent. Um, so there's that variable, but I would say the more important thing would be, um, you know, I always just did what I said I was going to do. I was always on time, um, was consistent, had good ideas. Uh, and, you know, you just gain the trust and respect of the people you're working with. And over time, you get more responsibility and it's just off to the races. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I totally second that. And it's a question I get a lot. Cause I don't know if you know, like the full story, but I basically jumped from like a graphic design intern at Vayner straight on to essentially traveling with Gary, like full time for yeah, two years. That's wild, man. That's insane. And that's, it was the same thing. People are always asking like how I did it. And it was just like, I sort of, I, I borderline went unhealthy with like my work ethic for a while, but mm -hmm. I just made that such a high priority. Like it was the only thing that mattered in my world and I went all in on it, you know? And like I mean, a lot can happen in six months whenever you put your head to it. And I'm sure too, and like, it sounds like our trajectories, obviously it's, we have different like landscapes that we're working in, but um, very similar. I'm, I'm sure you, there was these certain moments or opportunities within that six months for you where you're like, if I, you know, nail whatever this shoot for Gary or I pump this out, uh, you know, faster than anybody else, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stand out and it's just having the ability to see those opportunities and seize them as best as your ability. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I love that. So you're at GoPro and it's funny how similar our timelines are. Cause I was with Gary for like just over three years whenever I left. Mm -hmm. um, but what was it like for you to make that decision to walk away from something, which had sort of like, I don't want to say it put you on, but mm -hmm. you know, you would really put a lot of foundational work into that. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but it obviously was uh, a bit scary. Um, and I wouldn't say it wasn't scary from a financial perspective because kind of what tipped the scale in that uh, train of thought was, you know, I was starting to make more money on the side than I was at GoPro. 
So that's kind of like an obvious, you know, okay, maybe, you know, it's time to, to leave. But more so than that, uh, you know, I think what I might have struggled with a little bit that made it scary and it might have been the same for you is, you know, for a bit, you know, GoPro became a part of my identity. I'm sure just like Vayner became a part of your identity and to leave something like that at, uh, it, you know, it's height is difficult but you do also like, I need to understand, right. Or I do understand that I'm not GoPro and GoPro is not me. Like I'm Matt and I'm out here, you know, trying to forge my own path. And this is just a stepping stone in, you know, my trajectory and I'm forever grateful for it. And it's probably the same thing for you. You probably learned a ton at Vayner and, you know, you take what you learned and you bring it into the next venture. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it was funny. Like I got, I don't want to say like I got hate, but there were a lot of people that were like, I can't believe you would like quit a job working for Gary and all that stuff. But I think similar to what you're saying, I felt like I was putting myself in a bucket where I was only ever going to be known as Gary's videographer. Right. You know, and I was like, I know, like, that's not it at all. (laughs) They have a lot of other shit I want to do. And so it sort of, it was a tough decision, but it also like wasn't a tough decision at all. I know exactly. And I'm sure it it was kind of the same way for you. So, we're leaving GoPro, like moving down the timeline and we'll, we're going to dig into other shit, but going from there straight into music videos, what is like the, you know, the year after GoPro look like for you? Uh, so this is what's interesting. I was doing all this stuff before I left GoPro. Um, so you want to talk about like a sickening work ethic. I wholeheartedly understand um, what you were saying earlier because you know, I would work from roughly, you know, eight to five, eight to six every day at GoPro. And the second I came home, it was, you know, trying to pitch myself for music videos, uh, making my own YouTube content. So, uh, I, you know, I got lucky and I teamed up with still a really good friend of mine, Rory Kramer, and we did, uh, closer for the chain smokers, um, which ended up just being, uh, a massive, massive success on everyone's end, obviously for Alex and Drew. Um, and then, you know, for Rory and I, it's at 2.4 billion views or something ridiculous like that. But that was a year and a half before I left GoPro. So those things were already set in motion. And I remember, I think I left GoPro, it was end of January, 2018. I think the second week of February, we were already shooting, uh, two more Chainsmoker music videos. So things were already set in motion, um, and yeah, we just kept kept going. I guess I didn't really mess up. No, no, and that's and that's perfect. And I think that's like a, a super good segue. What um, I liked how you said like you were for one. I think mad respect for just like the balance of doing all those different things because it's sort of similar. Like I was always trying to work on my own personal work outside of Vayner, and then it's sort of just like around the clock. You're you're grinding. Um, how were you going about pitching yourself out for all these different projects while you were at GoPro? Like, you know, I'm sure like the clout of GoPro and things like that sort of helped, but whenever you were just starting to like gain traction, how did you go about getting yourself in front of people like Rory and, and, you know, Jordan and all those characters? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it, uh, you know, like super strategic with every, anything, but you know, it's just, you're a young kid, you have some talent, you have a bunch of energy and, you know, you just have a willingness to help people. And, you know, I, I believe people kind of just see that and they want to take you under your wing. 
Um, and then obviously, you know, you want to leverage, uh, you know, GoPro or in your case banner as much as you can. And, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, working for GoPro hasn't opened many, many doors for me and it has. Um, so yeah, I just think it's a mixture of, you know, having a little bit of talent, having an energy and passion and, you know, just always trying to do the right thing and it kind of works out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, and this is like a little bit of a weird tangent, but as you were, were saying that, I think, and I'm sure you probably see it too, like at least whenever I was in high school and starting to make videos and stuff, it was by no means like the cool thing to do, especially like what it's become now. Everyone wants to be content creator and everyone's throwing that in their like Instagram bio and stuff. <laughs> what, um, what do you kind of think about the current state of like Instagram culture and how much, uh, video creation and things like that have sort of been put on a spotlight? Dude, it's so interesting, man. Cause I, uh, I don't want to say I was a loser in my whole life, but you know, I definitely wasn't the you know most popular human being in, you know, middle school, high school, and even some parts of college. Cause, uh, yeah, film and content creation wasn't like a, a, even a thing, you know? Um, so, I mean, it just depends. Uh, and what do I think about Instagram culture? Uh, it, it's tough. Cause I, I, from somebody who makes a lot of the, the things people see, you know, I think attention spans are diminishing, um, quite drastically. Uh, you know, it's really tough to get people to sit down to even watch something for a minute without having to scroll past it. So that's interesting. Um, the other thing too is, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I guess that that's kind of like the main thing. I, I, I just think it just has become a place for like excess and people trying to like put on that they live a certain life that they don't. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. It's, and it's always evolving. What are yeah, your thoughts? Yeah. No, I mean, I, so I think I'm the same way. And you said like two specific things, which was one access and it's just insane. Like the ability to go buy a camera and then be able to get in front of people that you, you know, aspire to be like, or celebrities, like whatever it may be. Like, it's weird how much of like an all access pass that is. So I see what a lot of the attraction is. Um, and then also the, the transparency thing, you know, like it's, if you adapt these skills of being able to create, you know, pretty photos and videos, you can make your life look like it's a lot doper than what it actually is in a lot of situations. Um, and so those are the things that, I don't know, I guess like I'm really pushing to try and keep as much transparency in like the social media world as possible and not hiding it in the sense that, and like, I'm sure you get this the most of like, you go and shoot like a super cool and dope video and you're hanging out of helicopters and all that stuff. But it's not like that's every day for you. You know, it's like, it's, you know, a specific story that you're trying to tell. So I don't know, like, I, and I don't think there's an answer to it, but it's something that is definitely on my mind. And I like that those are sort of the two phrases that, that came up immediately for you. And you sort of see that. Yeah. I mean, uh, all social media is a very limited window into somebody's life. Um, and you know, I think there is, there's a balance between it. Like you want to be open and be vulnerable, but at the same time, like, you know, you, you don't want to like listen to somebody's pity party and, uh, you know, like I, I get that you would want, like people want it to see like the, I don't know, pull the, pull the curtain back, but you know, a part of entertainment is escapism. And, you know, if you're talking about travel videos specifically and like kind of what that, you know, part of 
the chapter is. It's like that in a way, shape or form is escapism for a lot of people. Um, you know, and you're making something that people, um, are visually attracted to and want to see. So there's a sliding scale to both. Um, and it's just having the awareness to know where you kind of fit and like where, uh, what kind of story you want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred percent. I super, super agree. I'm curious. And I, I hate this question, especially like whenever I do interviews or podcasts or anything and people mm-hmm. say like, what's a normal day in your life? Because that totally doesn't exist. I know. So I know. I'm going to, I'm going to adjust it and say, what is what's a month in your life look like? If you have to kind of like expand a little bit, all the different projects, I'm curious what the breakdown of like pre-production, post-production, like days you're actually out shooting. What do you, I guess, think your lifestyle is? Um, it's very free form. Um, and it's loose, which is tough. And it takes a certain type of person to do that. Cause I think a lot of, uh, a person's mental stability comes from rigid structure and routine, waking up at the same time every day, going to the same, uh, job, you know, eating at very similar places. People like you and I don't have that luxury. Um, so my days, uh, each day is so drastically different. So for example, you know, yesterday, uh, you know, I worked probably from 2 PM till about midnight. Um, and then today, you know, everyone's getting up for work probably, at like, you know, 637, I slept in until about uh, nine, hit a workout uh, for the last like hour and a half. And then, you know, now kind of like my work day is starting at noon. Um, so it, it just has like a weird ebb and flow. But from an artistic perspective with like the editing and post-production, pre-production, all that stuff, um, it just depends on what projects I have going on. So this last month specifically, if you're asking, it's been mostly pre-production Um and getting everything sorted for a project I have coming up. But yeah, it's, it's tricky, man. Every, every month is different. And I feel like I live a different lifetime every single month. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a funny way to put it. And I think I'm, yeah, like, it's funny. I feel like we're just having like the exact same conversation with each other because it's, I'm the same way. Like I can't, I have no idea what tomorrow really looks like. And yesterday was, it was the same way. Like it's just heads down, like constantly. Right. Um, and like only you know what works, you know, best for you. If getting up at the same time every day works for your productivity, then, you know, let it be. If sleeping in and working all hours of the night helps for your productivity, then, you know, you got to do that. And what's so, so, so delicately tricky about making a living in a creative space is that you need to be able to put yourself in a creative mindset at any given time. So you really need to know yourself and what triggers your creativity, uh, what you need to do to take care of your body, how much you need to sleep, um, you know, who you need to surround yourself with to be able to, you know, access that part of your mind when you, when you got to. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, and that's, that's interesting to hear. Cause I'm very similar. Like I have kind of a, I don't want to call it like a routine, but there's like certain music that's on in the background and like, I, you know, like to be in a certain part of my house and all that, like when I'm sitting down to start editing, cause it does put me in more of like a creative flow. Do you have anything like that? That's like a routine or, or something about your, I guess, and, and specifically here, we're talking like, if you're sitting down to edit, is there something you do to put yourself in that mindset? Um, not really. I like to, I work out a lot. So that helps me. Um, I, I go on walks. Like there's a couple coffee shops right around my house. So if I know I'm about to go hit an editing session, I'll just put my AirPods in and go walk and, uh, get a coffee and walk back. And it's like, you know, 20 minutes round trip. And that seems to help me quite a bit. Um, 
And then I guess the other thing too is I think with editing, you might have this, like you, there's like a weird like writer's block, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes the hardest part is actually just sitting down to edit the damn thing. <laughs> or sometimes if I just have to get something done and I'm not feeling it, I'll just tell myself, all right, let's just, you know, chug through 20 minutes of this. Whatever I'm cutting, it'll probably be awful, but at least we're like getting the creative juices flowing and we'll just go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so I, and I think we're similar, like, I don't want to get super like overly technical here talking like camera gear and yeah, yeah. flow and all that stuff. Like I think more like story and high level, mm-hmm. but I'm curious on what sort of your editing approach is when you're like setting out for a new project. Um, is it like first out just like building skeletons of, you know, overall story and then you're going into, you know, VFX later and all that, like what is, what's sort of your to-do list or checklist when starting an edit? Yeah, definitely. So it, it just depends on what it is. And like, uh, you just got to know what you're trying to create. So if, you know, if it's just something that's visually stimulating, um, there's not really a story to it and it's more so just a, uh, you know, kind of a flex on editing ability. That's just kind of hop in the timeline, um, and try and come up with the most creative visual you can possible. Uh, so if that's the type of like, you know, piece I'm making, then that's kind of that. But, um, you know, for example, uh, this week you're actually catching me at a really interesting time. Um, we're shooting, I'm directing a short film, uh, this weekend that we've been in pre-production for, for the last two and a half months. Um, like very, very rigorous pre-production. And for this, uh, film, for example, every single detail of it is planned out from a story structure, from a beat structure, Act one, act two, act three, where all the visual effects line up, um, how things are shot, what focal length they're shot at, uh, the pacing of the edit. So it really, it just depends on the on the project and what each thing um, needs. Yeah, I feel you. What um, so that's actually really cool to hear. You're working on like more of a short. What uh, is there like certain I guess projects and things that you're looking out for these days? Like I know you like you did the tour thing and then mm-hmm. like the GoPro and and so you've like kind of bounced around a lot on like visual styles and like the type of project you're taking on. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you sort of I guess excited about right now and like you're pushing to do more of in your career? Uh, it needs to fulfill me creatively. Um, at this point, and it just depends on yeah what point you're at in your career. I went through the phase where you say yes to everything and you put your head down and you uh, open the doors for yourself by outworking everybody. I've done that for a very long time. I've worked for a corporate company. You know, I've done the music tours and all this stuff. So now I'm just getting to this point where, uh, you know, in order for me, it's not even a question of time, to be honest. And um, not that I don't have time to do things. It's more so what do I want to allocate my creative energy towards? Um, and it needs to be something that, you know, I feel passionate about. Um, and it also needs to just be something that I feel like pushes the needle forward for me. Um, you know, so does another music video push the needle forward? Maybe if it has a good story and there's a message behind it, um, and it's a big artist and it'll move, then yeah, it does. Um, doing a short film, does it push the needle forward? In this case it does. Cause I haven't done one in a long time. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just got to fulfill me creatively. 
Yeah, no, I feel you. So I, I pulled a couple questions from Instagram and I was looking through them. There's the one that I think just aligns really well here from uh, Brendan. And he said, how many videos do you produce on a daily basis that aren't for the public? So what's your sort of breakdown these days of like things you're putting out that are going to be distributed through your platforms versus things that are maybe only client work that you're directing something and maybe, you know, the world never knows that you necessarily had a hand in it. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'd say in 2018, it was probably like a probably like a seven to one ratio, seven for other people, clients, commercial, whatever, one for myself. Um, and now, you know, the goal in 2019 and then 2020 specifically is, you know, we want to get it to, uh, you know, a two to one, one to one, and then zero to one. So I'm not having to make anything for anybody. Uh, except myself. <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, last year was tough, man. Like, you know, uh, you know, you we started this off earlier. You know, like, what's the elevator pitch, or like, how do people know you? And you know, uh, for everything that you've seen on my YouTube, you know, there's seven, eight, nine other pieces that I'm making at the exact same time for another artist, another brand. Um, so. Yeah, we're slowly just trying to tip the scale back back my way. Yeah. No, I think that's that's perfect and that's like kind of the ultimate goal, right? How um do you do you have like a sort of a team or like really built out around you now to help manage the chaos of, you know, nine projects at a time? Of course, of course. I definitely don't do this alone. And I've had a team behind me for the last couple years um that handle, you know, everything on the business side of things from, you know, email negotiation, um, outreach, things of that nature. Cause I just, you know, I can't do it alone. I can't handle all, you know, all that. And you need a team behind you to do everything. Um, and it's the same thing with shooting for the most part. It depends, like I said earlier on what the scope and scale of the project is. Um, you know, but for the last, you know, commercial job I did for Michael Kors, we did their, uh, like global fall, like men's campaign, you know, that had a crew of probably about 12 people on it. Um, this short film that we're about to embark on has, you know, another crew of 10 to 15 people on it. Um, so more so now in my career, uh, you know, the most important skill other than the obvious of filmmaking is, you know, you, you have to be a leader and you have to be able to direct a vision. Um, you need to have very clear communication skills. Uh, and, you know, that in and of itself is its own talent. Um, and I think that going forward is the biggest separation factor, uh, from me and everybody else is, you know, I, I am a creative at heart, but I think I view myself much more as a, uh, leader than anything else and, you know, getting everybody on the same page and getting everybody to execute on a common goal and vision. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you say that. Cause, uh, the first, I guess it's been, closing in on six months since I, I left Vayner mm -hmm. and the first six months were just pure chaos trying to balance everything myself. And I just, I just brought on, um, kind of like a manager assistant person to help with like the negotiation side of things and different mm -hmm. projects like that. And it's such a game changer. Like Dude, it's yeah. so funny. Like whenever you try and do everything yourself, you just basically end up getting nothing done. Mm -hmm. And then you, you find one person to like leverage a little bit of that work and you can move, you know, two, three times as fast. A hundred percent. Well, you just got to ask yourself and you know, you know, your uh, business and world, uh, you know, way better than anybody else. You know, 
be self-aware. What are you actually good at? What do you suck at? And whatever you're not good at, bring someone in who can do it better than you and, you know, compensate them accordingly and, you know, build out the team so you can go out and chase whatever you're trying to chase, whatever your North Star is. So, um, yeah, none of this is done alone by any means. I the best people around me and team around me and support system to make this dream work. Are you, uh, are you outsourcing any of the like actual editing yet? Or is that still pretty much all your hands making those cuts? Uh, it's mostly all my hands. It depends. Uh, some projects, you know, I'll bring on, um, somebody to help kind of, you know, structure and piece things together. Um, you know, cause it's, it's just not worth my time at this point to, pull selects, you know, organize bins and, you know, do all that. Like that's work that can be, uh, you know, outsourced. Um, but as far as like final edits, um, flow structure, all that, I I still have a very, 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 uh, direct hand in all that. Yeah. How much time do you spend sort of like, I guess, it's like you're always like refining the craft, but going out and actively looking for new techniques and stuff. Is that any part of your workflow these days, like, you know, learning about a new transition or something of that nature? Of course, of course. I mean, you always got to keep evolving and moving. Um, and like I said, it depends on, on the project. Um, so, you know, I think, uh, there's diminishing returns with always chasing the next transition or the next visual effects shot. Um, cause after a while, you know, people get it. So, the next muscle that I'm really trying to uh, develop a lot stronger is story. Um, and that'll be pretty apparent through this next piece that we're, we're working on um, and really seeing, you know, uh, in a 15 minute format, can I uh, articulate a, um, you know, a message clearly through, you know, a narrative piece. So yeah. 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 No, I think, I think that's great. And I like that, that story was what you went with because I think it's neglected so much, especially now, like everyone's just going for like Instagram bangers that have no story and right. it's just like shots. And that's, I think that totally has a place and I love it and that's great, but like not forgetting that at the core, like it's really hard to move forward if you don't fully understand how to tell a story. Right. And it's, it just depends what you're doing. Like for example, in uh, two weeks, we have this other, this other like collaboration thing coming out and the piece that we're dropping, it's, you know, it, all it is is an Instagram banger and that's okay. You know, I'm self-aware that like, that's, you know, what it is and it has its own place, you know, in this whole thing. Um, but I think you know, at the core of filmmaking is storytelling. So it's just, you know, identifying what pieces you're uh, creating that you're over-indexing on story and which ones, you know, just are uh, surface level entertainment, cool things to look at. Yeah, for sure. What's um what's kind of your process whenever you're setting out on these, these projects? Like the both pre-production and like actually like ideation, which I think is super important. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, you just kind of like sitting down with a notebook and like jamming on ideas and like seeing where your head goes or, or how do you sort of go about building out what those early storyboards look like? Um, it's a couple things. So, uh, I always start with, uh, it's nothing fancy, but the, you know, the notes folder in your iPhone, a little yellow app, uh, just start in there, put the header in there. And then, um, you know, if I have a slight idea for a project, anything that kind of pops in my head, 
I'll just write down no matter what it is. It could be a sentence. It could be uh, a few words. It could be a visual idea. And, you know, over the course of however long I have, maybe a day, two days, week, month, whatever, I'll just add to this like creative list of things. And then through there, if it's story driven, um, I always like write down on a ton of different note cards and post them up on a wall, um, how things are kind of laid out, how the story structure will work. And then you kind of just keep adding and chipping away from there. But I would say the first ideation of everything, it just goes straight into my notes folder. And it's just a, uh, stream of conscious thought about something. As you, you've sort of like moved forward in your career, and we were talking earlier about the sort of like kind of ridiculous work ethic it takes to build. Have you put any more effort now into like the, and like I hate the phrase work-life balance because I don't think there's ever balance in anything, but are you sort of setting more time aside for like just personal relationships and friendships or is it still sort of just like work around the clock? No, oh my God, yeah. Uh, this season of my life is very much about enjoying it. <laughs> um uh, very much so. I mean, the work ethic is still there. That'll never go away because that's just how I was raised. Um, but I would say more so now than ever, I've taken off more time to just relax, go out with friends, uh, you know, just enjoy everything. Because I think what happens is like you do get to a certain point where you're like, okay, well, you know, I've done uh, these music videos I set out to do. I've done this commercial work. I've done whatever, whatever it is for you that fulfills your bucket. And, you know, it's a carrot that you'll never be able to grab. Um, so at what point do you actually just say, I'm going to have fun with this thing and just enjoy it. And, you know, maybe instead of taking on four projects this month, I'll take on two. Um, I'll do them a bit better and I'll actually have fun in the process. And I think that, um, you know, took me a very, very, very long time to get to, you know, I've, like we mentioned earlier, I've been in this video game, I guess now, whether it be like 12, 13 years, I started at 13, 26, yeah, 13 years. Um, so it took me 12 years <laughs> to figure that out. Um, and I can honestly say the last six months have been happier than I've ever been in a very, very, very long time. And that's just because I'm prioritizing my own health and wellness over cranking out work like a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important. It's, it's a phase I'm definitely also, I think kind of going through right now. Um, it's super easy, especially when you have ambition, like even like saying no to those two projects a month probably like hurts a little, like you, there's like a, an element of FOMO, I'm sure on some level mm -hmm. of like, you still kind of want to do them. Um, but just making, I think that conscious decision, to say no to more things is really important. And it's something that's been on my mind a lot too. Well, we touched on it a bit earlier is not everything that you take on is going to move the needle forward. And that's when you've got to have the self-awareness to know at what point in your career you're at, because for a certain time, if you're you know just starting out or you've been in it for a minute, you, you have to say yes to everything and you need to be a sponge. You need to soak up knowledge. You need to make a uh, relation. You need to, uh, sorry, you need to form relationships and make connections um, but at a certain point, you know, taking on another piece of work might not move you in the direction that you need to be going. So you need to take a step back, you need to assess like the landscape of like your life and your career and uh, only take on things that um, strategically move you in the direction you want to go. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I want to um, 
talk, and this is sort of a, you know, we went pretty deep on video and, you know, creative drive and all that, but uh, you're doing music now. And I mean, I guess you've been doing music for a while, but releasing music now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's sick. And I, I love that. And, you know, I think it's easy to kind of hit, I don't want to say like glass ceilings, but you kind of have to adapt in the different mediums you're working in. So tell me a little bit about what the sort of process of getting into music production and actually putting songs out has been like. Uh, it's been really fun, man. Uh, I mean, I've been playing instruments for a really long time. My parents, uh, you know, I took piano lessons and guitar lessons growing up. And I just needed a different creative outlet. And, you know, it's always been on the back of my mind to kind of, you know, start to score some of the, you know, films I was making. And so I kind of did like a little trial run with this piece I did for my parents last year. Um, you know, I had, you know, I don't, like I said, I don't do this all alone. Like I had my buddy Kyle, who's part of uh, Gray Music. He, uh, you know, he definitely helped take the reins on a lot of that. Um, but that was like kind of the f first exploration into um, that part of my life. Um, then we did it again for uh, this piece I did for Google earlier this year, released it on Spotify. Um, like organically, I think it has like 300,000 plays or something on it, which is kind of cool. Um, and then for this Michael Kors piece, the last uh, part of the um, film or short uh, was also an original composition. So, you know, I'm slowly just peppering things in um, as it comes along and it's, it's been fun. How, um, is there like a certain, I guess my, my question was going to be like how you're prioritizing that. Cause I have a weird problem of if I'm not working on something video related or photo related, there's just this mounding like to-do list in the back of my mind of like other projects that it's hard for me to sit down and like, I think develop new skills because music production has been on my list of things I want to dig into for a while. Also, how do you sort of make the decision of when you're going to work on the music side of things? Uh, it's going to be the worst answer of all time. I don't know. Whenever I feel like it, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not, it's not my, uh, career, you know, my career, my bread and butter is film and probably always will be film. Um, you know, so I just do it, you know, when I have some time and I feel inspired to, you know, go sit at a piano and write something. Um, it's just fun. I, I literally just am having fun with it and I don't really have, you know, the biggest uh, aspirations with the whole thing. Um, but, you know, I, I admire and respect multifaceted individuals such as like, you know, a Virgil Abloh or a Kanye West or a Bradley Cooper or Jared Leto. And, um, you know, I just try and emulate uh, kind of what they do and just be very well-rounded in multiple disciplines of creativity and art. Are there, are there other things past the, the music world that you're interested in that you want to like dig into? I mean, yeah, I think it'd be great to get into fashion, uh, you know, clothing of some sort, uh, you know, maybe acting later on way down the line if I'm just like, you know, throwing things out there. Um, yeah, I mean, I just want to have fun with everything. And I think it's cool. I just like, I think you made a comment earlier where it's like, uh, you know, there's so much more than just like the video side of things. So yeah, I'm just, uh, just gonna have fun with it i guess yeah well, cool man i mean i think we can i think the the great thing and, and that's a good sort of point to end on is that at the core of everything we've talked about today it's been like putting i think passion first like doing things you just care about doing and like want to do more of and having fun with it which 
I had said something like a few weeks ago, I was talking with someone where if you're working in like the creative field and you're not having fun, you're doing something dramatically wrong. Yet it's easy to almost fall into that trap a lot where you might not be enjoying the work you're doing. So taking a step back and uh, sort of digging into the things that matter to you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so it's tough, man. Like uh, and there's no part about uh, this journey that's been easy. I'm sure it's the same thing for you. Like it's been very, very, very uh, difficult. Um, and you just got to try and find the silver lining and everything and, um, you know, keep persevering and pushing forward. And, uh, you know, we, we were talking about rejection earlier and just being able to deal with that and not take it personally and just keep moving and, you know, you'll get to where you want to go eventually. Thanks. Well, Matt, thanks, dude. I think this was great, and uh, I appreciate you you coming on. Where can where can the world sort of find all your work? Oh, geez. Uh, I guess you could YouTube. Uh, my name, Matt Como. You can go on Instagram, find it. Uh, just Google, search it. Things are kind of all in different places because not everything just lives on my own channels. Um, but, yeah, just that. And then, uh, you know, coming up, we have some cool things. I have a clothing collaboration coming out in two weeks, which will be exciting. And then the short film that we shoot this weekend comes out in December. So if anyone's listening to this and they're wondering where I've been, uh, that's what we got coming up. Sick. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. And I will let you sort of get back to your, your editing session for the day. <laughs> thank you, bro. I appreciate you. And thank you for having me on. Everything you do is also very inspiring. I love all the work you've done with Gary. And then, you know, I really respect you taking uh, the leap of faith and doing um, your Adobe um, creative partnership. I think it's really cool. And uh, yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate you. All right, guys, that is it for this episode of Tuesday Morning Coffee. I hope you guys were able to take as much from this conversation as I did. Matt is a huge inspiration, so please go follow along with his journey. Uh, he's going to do some amazing, amazing things. If you're enjoying this podcast, please, it would mean a lot to me if you guys subscribed on whatever your listening platform of choice is. And I'm really still trying to get the reviews up on Apple basically uh, the first 30 people to go leave a review on Apple Podcasts and then DM me a screenshot of their review are going to get put into a private group chat with myself and the others that were first movers on this podcast and then we'll be able to chat about whatever you guys would like. It'll be a really quick sort of direct way to get to me. Um, so if you haven't yet, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review on Tuesday Morning Coffee. I really appreciate all the support thus far and I'm excited to see where this podcast goes but that is it for now and I will talk to you guys next week.